The We Are Wakefield podcast, produced by Starder Media, creating content to wow your audience. Welcome to the We Are Wakefield podcast. I'm Claire Sutherly, Managing Director of We Are Wakefield, and this is episode four. Today we're joined by Johnny Parkinson, General Manager of Elise, and David Masters, Group Chair of OE Electrics. We talk business on a larger scale and how we celebrate success, overcome challenges, and continue to grow. Welcome to episode four of the We Are Wakefield podcast. Today we're joined by David Masters, Group Chair of OE Electrics, and Johnny Parkinson, General Manager of Elise. Both Wakefield-based businesses, both large businesses, and both ambassadors of We Are Wakefield. So we're going to do the same format as we've um, kind of done throughout the other three podcasts. So welcome, David. Thank you, Claire. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you, Claire. Um, so first of all, I just want to hear about you as individuals, um, personally and professionally. So we'll start with you, David. So you're hmm. uh, group chair of OE Electrics. Yep. Um, tell us, who is David Masters? Um, who is David Masters? I, I don't think we've got an hour here and I don't think we're <laughs> going to have enough because... Okay, I'm, the concise version. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll narrow it down a little bit. So David Masters, um, I like to call myself a Halifax brawn and bred, but unfortunately that's not true because I was actually born... Uh, in Hampshire, in Tidworth. Oh. Um, and that was because my father was in the Remy. And um, and you could say I'm almost the black sheep of the family because everybody else was born in Halifax. Right. So for me, um, I'm still calling myself Yorkshire born and bred um, from Halifax. Uh, left school at 15 um, because it was legal then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't really have any other skill other than I was good at metalwork at school. Right. So I went into engineering. Um, as an apprentice and did that for five years and was working at a good company in Halifax and recognised that I would like to move on and better myself. So I went to another company in Halifax uh, who make textile machinery and they invested in me. They believed in me and uh, after a while they recognised that I could be a manager and therefore they invested in my training uh, and it's what's carried me on in the rest of my career because that's what I believe in, investing in our people. Mm-hmm. So after a number of years working there, uh, by the time I was in my mid-30s, I did a management degree. And that really led on to the rest of my career because I, I recognised that you know, I had a good skill in managing people. Um, I had a good background in, in engineering as well. I had a cross-section of mechanical engineering because that's where I am but also I had an opportunity to learn electrical engineering and, um, and I'm working for an electrical company now. That's, that's the business that we are, electrical. So at what part in the journey did OE Electrics feature then? Uh, I've been at OE Electrics now for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Um, started there when they were um, going okay. Um, they were a... Uh, a Wakefield business that was, has been born and bred in, in Wakefield by uh, our competitor splitting, actually. Right. And um, the sales director moved away from our competitor, who was still our biggest competitor, um, and set up Office Electrics, as it was at that time. Oh, I wondered what the OE stood for. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, yeah. Office Electrics was really what primarily we were about. We were manufact- we were, sorry, we were distributing um, a German product um, for the electrical industry, mainly the office in, environment. Um, and after a while, it became clear that, you know, to, to grow and because of the challenges they had dealing in the market, um, the best way to deal with that was to go into manufacturing. So very brave decision by the current owners at that time, um, Richard and Tim, father and son, and they decided to go down the path of manufacturing um, and they started with six people and we've now got over 250 people. So it's turned into a, a large group of companies. And who do you supply to? Who are your clients? Well, as I said, we started supplying into office furniture um, and our main customers are manufacturers of furniture. Um, but the end users are Barclays Bank, PwC, 
lots of big corporate entities like that, and therefore our 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 end users are, are big high end users. So we're talking about how uh, how the business grew, and and ultimately we recognise that by changing our name from Office Electrics to OE Electrics, we were opening up opportunities into new markets. We we were. We were recognised as the innovators of the time. So we had new products that, that were really breaking ground within our markets. And I think the thing that changed mainly was USB uh, because we were suppliers of power data um, at that time. Um, and the market changed. USB charging became really important to users. Yeah. Um, mobile devices. Uh, believe it or not, you know, uh, the iPhone is not that old. It's only around 2004, 2006 when the first, uh, you know, smartphones came out and tablets and, and therefore USB charging became more important than a 13-amp plug. Mm. So that's what changed our market and, and we recognised that and because we innovated and, and changed what we were making. Um, we were leading. Uh, we were showing people that, that we were the people to be with. Um, we got into airport seating. Um, and then we went into lots of different associated industries like uh, education, universities. Um, and eventually we're now on uh, HS2's uh, tender for train, train carriages because yeah. everybody wants to find power. Everybody wants power everywhere these days, don't they? I mean, it's as if you've lost a limb if you battery dies on your phone, isn't it? So it's yeah. it's absolutely essential yeah. that these services are provided. Yeah. So it's interesting that that's a key factor in the success is that pivot and that recognise recognizing that you need to move along quickly with the times as as demands changed. Yeah. Um. What What do you think was sort of factors in the success and, and, and why why Wakefield? Why why stay in Wakefield as you grow? Uh, well, actually, the, the owners are actually from Bradford, but um, when Richard bought the business back in 1996, uh, he recognised that that we had a, a good, skilled workforce that 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 we wanted to be loyal to. And, and, and obviously, as you grow from the six people that it was when, when Richard bought the business to over 200 now uh, across the globe, then, then you know, staying close to your, your, your core workforce is really important. And, and we have, you know, a lot of good people from, from Wakefield that, that we believe in, that have been with us a long time as well, loyal uh, employees. So therefore, you know, isn't that important that you keep that loyalty to them and stay uh, close to where they are. Um, yeah. And we believe in Wakefield as well. Mm, absolutely. So we're going to come back and talk more about OE, mm. about the successes, the challenges, how times change and how you move with those times. Yeah. But I just want to come over to you, Johnny, now. So Johnny Parkinson, General Manager of Elise, welcome. Thank you. Um, so tell us your story. So who's Johnny Parkinson and how did he get to the position that he's in now with Elise? I'll try not to repeat too much of David's story because I was listening there thinking, oh, this sounds very familiar. Well, actually, that's why <laughs> I brought you both together because they are quite similar, but similarly different. Yep. So it's, it's really interesting journeys. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I was born and bred Wakefield. Um, so where the Elise Depot is in Portobello in Wakefield, I was born about 300 yards from the office in the old Many Gates Hospital right. um, and lived in that area all my childhood and, and sort of young adult life. Um, now we've in Pontefract where I've lived for the last 10 years with my family. Um, but my journey was very much similar, kind of left school, um, not an educational person at all and, and still not to this day, but, but I will come back to that in a second. Um, so kind of left not knowing what I wanted to do. And, and one of my friends who, who still works with us today went to work at what was called Sunlight back then. Um, and we all knew it because um, my, my journey started with that business when I was about 12 years old, because living on the local estate, they had a security gate. And within that security gate was a perfect goalpost. Right. <laughs> so me and about four or five of my friends used to play football in the street and use that gate for um, for our goal and the amount of runnings we had with the security guard to get that ball back then. So if anybody asks me how long I've worked there, I usually say about 25 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in reality, it's, it's probably more like 16. 
but my friend went to work there and and I went and joined and at that age it was sort of you know back then you were earning about 120 pound in your pocket but fresh out of school you, you were a millionaire for the weekend um stayed there for a few years and at that point didn't necessarily recognize a career so I left went off and tried my hand at a number of other things landscape gardening being one of them a bit of joinery I worked in a call center a whole host of things that just didn't really suit for me um, and then I was lucky enough that someone who I'd worked with, a production manager, rang me and said, look, we've got some jobs. Would you like to come back? So I went back and minimum wage, started working as an operative. So the basic job of sorting in soiled linen, um, quite an easy job, but quite full on. Um, and then was lucky to succeed in that, work through that, had the opportunity then, as David touched on, I think people see, if you work hard, people sometimes recognise that and give mm -hmm. you an opportunity. And, and Sunlight back then was was about doing that, trying to develop you and, and move you forward if you had the chance. So I moved from the production team after working through kind of all the roles into our customer service team, um, working as an internal customer service advisor. So dealing with customers' queries and, and sales and things like that. And again, worked through that role for about four years and had the opportunity approached me then to try some people leadership in a, in a supervisory role. Um, and at that time as well, the business changed. So we went from being Sunlight um, and we were purchased by a company called Berenson, who at that time were a Norwegian, um, Swedish company um, with, with kind of a Northern European remit who wanted to get a presence in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, progressed through that role and then Elise arrived. Right. Um, French company, pan-European with, with presence in South America as well. And with that came a new management structure, um, new CEOs, new directors, and lots of new management in and around. And, and through that opportunity of working hard, people recognizing I was given the opportunity to really start to develop my career with Elise. And um, funnily enough, I first met David on a site tour at Elise. Hmm. Uh, I was in a much more junior role in operations. I don't know if you remember, David, but I, do, I, yes. I took, you around the, took you around the site. And, um, and from that point on then, I was sort of invested in. Um, I mentioned at the start of this that education was something that wasn't on my radar. Since then, my, my boss, who's one of the directors of the company, has encouraged me to undertake um, some study and a degree. So very much similar to what David was saying there. So I'm in the process of that. Um, and then I've progressed to be a general manager of, of the site in Wakefield. So Wake, that is one of sort of 30 plus sites in the UK, but have full ownership for that site's performance, its safety, its people, and its, its P&L performance. And that's kind of where my career is at now in terms of trying to take that next step and, and think about what does the future career look like with, with Elise. You see, that's amazing. Both really similar journeys, like you said. And Bit of an age difference, though. It, oh, is, is there? Would you say so? No, David looks well. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> does. It's all that cycling, David. Um, but it, it's similar stories, isn't it? It's it's that not really being entirely sure what you want to do at 15, 16 years mm. old, mm. and then how you've progressed into, um, into roles and then got into sort of academia later in life. Yeah and taken those opportunities that, that have been presented to you and absolutely grabbed them and run with them. Mm. And that's how you've got to the positions that you're in today and obviously still progressing in, in those positions. So tell us a little bit more about Elise and, and what you do, because I always kind of struggle in in translating what Elise do. Yeah, absolutely. So Elise is a little bit of a unique business. Um, it has a number of business lines within it. So we focus on three kind of core business lines. Um, healthcare, which are working with hospitals, um, so scrubs. And if you've ever had the, the not so fortunate pleasure of having to visit a hospital, any of the bed linen that you lay on, that would typically be an Elise product. Um, and then we're also in the surgical aspect there as well. We have our hospitality. So if you're on holiday or you're staying in a Hilton or, or those kind of hotels, um, you will be staying on our bedding, chef's wear and things like that. Where Wakefield comes into play is um, what we call the ICS. So that's industry, commerce and service. And we're provide, providing services on two industrial sectors in the main. So manufacturing companies, um, and they, they range in, in its variety. So it can be as, as small as a privately owned business that has one employee. So, you, you know, your local garage from mm -hmm. that, that aspect, 
right up to large corporate organisations who are who are producing food products or or large drinks en masse. Um, and we fit kind of anywhere in between there. And those services that we provide um, usually around PPE and protective workwear, washroom, mats, and then industrial wipers. And all that's on a, what we call a circular economy service. So the, the idea and principle of our product is you don't have your capital outlay because we do that and we provide that investment. And then the contract that you have with us is on a rolling period. So typically three, four years. And through that period, we will process, wash, maintain that textile, or if it's washroom, continue to look after those products and fill them um, with the idea that it takes away all of that investment that you have to have maybe on site. So from a, from a facilities management point of view, cleaning point of view, we can undertake that. And within those four services, they are delivered from one vehicle, with one invoice from one location. So mm -hmm. from a Wakefield point of view, we're looking after any business in East Yorkshire, South Yorkshire, most importantly, West Yorkshire. Yep. Um, and we touch into North Yorkshire a little bit. So we've got customer base across that, that demographic providing those services. And why is it so important that it's based where it is? I think there's some, to David's point, there is some, there is some history there. So it's sat in that same location in, well, certainly in excess of 80 years as a, as a laundry in different guises and mm -hmm. has an investment of, over that period. But it's about location. So Elise has its sites dotted around the UK and it's quite a strategic position for us. If you look at Wakefield itself, it's, it's quite a diverse area with lots of housing quite close. So from an employee point of view, we employ a lot of people who have been loyal to us over the years and, and that really works. We, we have three people in the next 12 months who will have completed 40 years service. So it gives you a feel mm. for why that location is important. Mm. We then, you know, we're very, very close to what you sometimes call the big brother or big sisters of the Leeds and Sheffields and they're strategic areas that that we do business. So I think with the motorway network that we, we have there, the diverse range of businesses in and around Wakefield, it's a real strong place for us to to work from, to do business and, you know, through things like We Are Wakefield to really, really grow our presence across that, that market as well. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned We Are Wakefield there and both uh, both companies are We Are Wakefield ambassadors. Johnny, you're on the, the board of We Are Wakefield yep. as well. So, you know, both heavily involved in, in what we're doing and see that, have that sense of community and being part of something within within the district, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, just going back to the sort of reuse ethic and and this this will have affected both businesses really, but from a sustainability perspective, how have you seen shifts within the businesses and, and has that meant that you've had to change things within the business or has it has it actually improved business by people wanting to work more sustainably? I think it, it it was almost a, it wasn't on anybody's agenda, you know, many, many years yeah. ago and, and rapidly it's become part of what we do. And Elise is a company now that we we really drive this and, and it's almost sometimes you'll hear this talked about and you think, what does it really mean and how does it impact us? And we, we were lucky enough to sit down with some senior members of the team and they actually shared with us that Elise in France, which is our head office, we've actually made some CSR commitments um, with our banks so that if we don't achieve those commitments over a period, it absolutely impacts us as a business in terms of interest rates and things like that. Right. So what we then see is that drive down in our sites and we're starting to see things such as in the UK, we've just appointed a CSR manager who will be responsible for making sure from a UK point of view across our sites, things are strategic, things are done not in isolation. Um, and we're working hard with our customers. Plastic usage is something that's really relevant in some of the businesses we use to protect items. We're now working with them proactively to look at how we remove that for, for the customer as well as ourselves. And, and these are things that we were we were never talking about previously. And um, probably for Elisa, there is a little bit of a benefit because our model, we never thought about it having this CSR impact. Exactly. That's but why when you sudden, were talking, it, it brought this to my mind to ask about it. All yeah. of a sudden we're buying textile that will, you know, in industrial environments, we're saying we can make that textile last for three years. Mm. We can process it. We can take care of it. And not only processing it, the cleaning process we have, we're able to be much more efficient with things like water, with gas, with energy. I mean, we're, we're all impacted by that and, and us as much as anybody. But we are able to be much more environmentally conscious when we're making our decisions on chemicals and, and water usage. So it's a real a real um, focus for us as a business to continue to, to support other businesses with their CSR yeah, objectives. Yeah, brilliant. So 
what about OE, David? What have you seen a shift in how you work or, you know, how you, how you plan the future of the business? This is really important, not just for the business, but also for me. It's one of my goals, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, as a business, we make electrical products that are manufactured to last 30 years plus. Yeah. Um, and therefore, you know, even though people buy, regularly buy our products and replace what they already have, they don't need to. It's, it's, it's a fashion item and therefore people change them to fit in with the look of an office. Um, and and it's, uh, it's, it's actually an issue that, that we've had to then look at how we can adapt as a business to, to meet that challenge of if people are going to throw them away, then then how do we make them more sustainable so that they're, whatever happens to them, they're not damaging the environment. Mm. Um, we're an, a, an R&D-led business, so we're constantly reinventing and making new products and new designs. Um, and all the way through that, we've tried, tried our best to make sure that whatever new designs we, we bring in are um, safe for the environment. We've got a building, it's our building. We built it in 2017. And one of the things that we wanted to do when we built that building was first of all, make sure it's a, it's a sustainable building, that it was that it was a building that, that was for the future. So we've had solar panels um, fitted right from the beginning. Um, and in theory, we can run most of the, uh, the business itself just by sustainable energy that, that we get through the solar panels. We want to go a step further. So we've actually invented a, um, a battery and you could say what's, what's new about a battery. Well, mm-hmm. what's new about our battery is that it's, uh, it's technology that allows people to work untethered from a wall socket, uh, both for work and for pleasure. It's not always about you know work, it's about pleasure as well because people enjoy mobile devices. And, and we've invented something that, that quite frankly, is um, untethers people away from an office. Um, and we've actually had pictures taken of somebody running a desk on Pugnis Park, just right. to show that it's how adaptable <laughs> our animate system is. Mm. Um, and that in itself is is a two pronged attack. You know, we're, we're trying to have a business that's sustainable, um, but for me, it's also leading. Um, what we do for the rest of Wakefield. Um, I have a passion now of talking about it. I get invited to do lots of talking um, uh, and I work with local schools because I'm also trying to uh, help both people in education in, in schools and colleges and universities to understand how we've impacted the environment and how we can change that. Uh, one of the things that I finish up by saying is that Quite frankly, I'm getting late in my career now and I'm not proud about the legacy that we are leaving behind because we've, you know, I've got children, I've got young grandchildren and quite frankly, I think that we've not done a great job of looking after this planet and therefore, if I'm not proud of it and I'm trying to do something about it, I'm saying to other people, if you're proud of it or you're not proud of it, what are you going to do about it? Sorry to interrupt your podcast, but is your business in desperate need of a lick of paint? An out-of-date website? Branding that just isn't a true representation of your business? Looking for fresh new video content, animation, live streaming, a new podcast, and content that will grab people's attention and drive eyeballs to your brand? Starter Media can help. Get in touch today. www.stardermedia.co.uk Right, back to the podcast. Yeah, and I suppose the starting point is with the youth of today, isn't it? It's Absolutely. getting into those schools and educating the kids. And both of you've got really inspiring stories. In that, if if you tell your story, and there's, I mean, I, my kids are seventeen and nineteen, so they're at a point in their life where they're making decisions that will completely affect the future, mm. um, and are not always mature enough to be actually making those decisions. But both of you show that actually the decisions you make at that age aren't necessarily the path you will follow Hmm. and that you can 
grow on any decisions, change any decisions. And I suppose you can link this into everything you do as in sustainability. So it's important that you're speaking to the the younger people of today who have got the future in their hands. Absolutely. Yeah, and how do you find the reaction in schools when you go into schools? Do you know something? I I talk to them about business, I talk to them about careers, and I talk to them about sustainability. And so I think sustainability is the one thing that really um, resonates with, with children of all ages now um, because they understand much more than we do uh, about how the effect uh, of what we've done is, is going to you know, impact on their lives in the future. So they're very inquisitive, they're very interested. And if you put the message across in the right way, then I think that these people of the future are going to be uh, the people that make a difference. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's a good point. And we see that from people, candidates who come for interview. Much of the, the younger end of the candidates that come now will ask the question around, what are you doing from a CSR sustainability point of view? And that was a question in interviews that I weren't getting asked three mm. or four years ago at all. Mm. And it's not coming from people similar to us who have, have already partway through the career. It's coming from people who are just taking maybe the first steps out of school, college or university. And um, we were only talking about that last week. About It's great to see that that younger generation have really grasped the understanding and David it does really matter, point. yes. The, the, as you're rightly saying there, you know, the interview process is a two-way interview and it's not just about interviewing them, it's about them interviewing us and saying, yeah. is this a business I want to work for? And, mm -hmm. you know, sustainability, the environment, net zero are all key questions that, that are being asked now to say, do I really want to work for you? Yeah, I mean, it's really changed, hasn't it? I mean, speaking to businesses day in, day out, like, like I do, it's... It's very much a candidate's market these days and it's more the candidate interviewing the employer than the employer yeah. interviewing the candidate, isn't it? Totally. I mean, that's another shift. Mm. Uh, do you think that's a good thing? Uh, I, I personally think it's a good thing about you, Johnny, but for me, you know, it is a two-way process and, and, and we want to understand candidates, not just by asking questions, but also understand what their thoughts and feelings are and... And you don't really necessarily get that just by doing a one-way interview. You know, two-way interviews for me are are crucial to understanding are these the right people. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. We always open our interviews with that exact statement of this is a this is a two-way conversation, and and people may decide at the end of that that we're not the business for them. I think I think it is much more of a candidate-led market, and whilst at times that's sometimes frustrating because you're trying to move on, I think what you do find is out of that you you get the right candidate probably much more than before because you're really driving, they're driving to understand you, you're driving to understand them. I think it makes for a better quality interview. And I think from recent experiences, the candidates that we've pulled through have, have been really complementary to what we're trying to achieve. So long may that continue. Yeah, that's a really good shift, isn't it? Would you say that recruitment's one of your biggest challenges within the business? It, it can be. I think we, we recruit usually on two levels. We recruit in an operator level, so that blue collar level, and white collar level, uh, and we've kind of found that the white collar recruitment still, still reasonable, and and the right level of candidates there. I think what we've really seen in that that blue collar level is the availability of jobs has made that recruitment quite difficult, and and people seem to move on from roles much quicker. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost that this role's not for me, and tomorrow I walk through the door and find another. Whereas perhaps that wasn't the case previously. So it has been a real a real challenge for us as a business, and something that. We constantly keep looking at, you know, what's our what's our social agenda and, and what we're doing from an employee wellbeing point of view and things like that to really try and step us aside in the market is something that's become more prevalent than ever. Yeah, mm -hmm. are you finding the same? It's a similar challenge. It's it, you, you were right there, Johnny, to put it on two levels because we we have operators that manufacture and then we have uh, higher skilled people that that they you know support people and. Um, I think what, what changed for us recently was COVID because it changed the way that people work. It's changed the way that we run our business. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really have people that, that were remote workers and therefore um, everybody needed to be on site. When you open it up so that people can have a hybrid working, it also means that people don't necessarily need to be on site as well. Um, and therefore our search for candidates also changed uh, yes, we are a Wakefield manufacturer and we, we believe in, 
employing people where we come from Wakefield, but it also opened up the scope for people that are necessarily be in Wakefield that could actually support us in areas that, quite frankly, were struggling for some technical positions that we couldn't fill or sales positions that we couldn't fill. So it meant that we had a, a bigger pool of people that weren't necessarily local to us. Um, and this hybrid working uh, facilitated that and helped that. That's interesting, isn't it? So, I mean, I know from operations-based and manufacturing um, businesses that the hybrid or the work-from-home model wouldn't necessarily be ideal for you, but you've found that you've managed that and it's actually supported you within your businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the challenges at COVID that uh, when it hit and we virtually turned most of our office staff to work from home. You couldn't do that with, you know, with a manufacturing process. People had to be on site and mm. had to be managed. And therefore we, we, you know, we, we communicated well with our, our employees across, across the business to say, this is the challenges that we're going to have to try and deal with it. Um, and I'm really pleased that our manufacturing people really understood that they needed to be on site because we couldn't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had, there was no there was no difficulty with uh, people that couldn't be on site that were having to work from home. You know, it, it didn't cause any friction or any, any uh, interference between you know the workforce. And therefore, for me, it, it worked out really well at the end of it. Yeah, it's interesting um, in these podcasts alone how the pandemic's almost been a positive. In some ways, I mean, you know, we all wish it hadn't have happened. Mm. <laughs> um, but from an adapt an adaptation perspective for businesses and how they had to quickly change the way they worked, change the way they felt about how their employees worked, there's been a lot of positives. I think it, come out we of came that. out of it stronger. I think there because right. I think we learned during that period of time. We've had a few challenges in our in our history of the business, but. COVID by far was the biggest challenge for us. And I think that we learned a lot about our strengths mm. and our weaknesses um, and came out of it stronger because we worked on those weaknesses and, and made ourselves uh, a very more adaptable and uh, bis- agile business. Mm. And that awareness is really important. Did you find I the same? Totally agree. I think agile is the ab- absolute word. We we work to a certain pattern a lot of the time and when it happened and for us who supply into hospitality sectors overnight quite a high percentage of our business and our revenue almost ceased mm. so so what do you do with that and, and we had to make sure that we we survived and we made you know we used the different programs that were available and looked at what we could do but it was things that now and even perhaps now sometimes and we had a conversation recently about maybe we just need to remember what we did in covid because old habits die hard but I think certainly through that period, we've come out of it a much more agile and a business that's much more willing to do something out of the norm. Yeah. So in, in COVID, when our hospitality business was closed, we proactively went to them and said, okay, we're not going to charge you anything for that period. We're going to support you. Now at the back of that, we'll, we'll look to extend your contracts. That was a real big risk for us at that point to say, well, okay, we understand. Now contractually, we could have continued, but we wanted to be that supportive provider. And Again, that's a thought process now that we carry forward more as to, okay, how can we be a better supplier? How can we support our customers? And perhaps we didn't always have that customer-centric mindset pre-COVID. Perhaps that's something we learned along with the being a bit more agile in the operations. Yeah, mm. it's really interesting to hear these stories now of how we're future-proofing businesses as well because of that experience. Um, we've been sort of shifted towards the employee side of things. So I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I know employee well-being is really high priority for both businesses. Johnny, you were proud winners of um, Employer of the Year, Large Employer of the Year at the Wakefield Business Awards last year. Um, David, you were a judge at the Business Awards last yes. year. Mm-hmm. And and it's a, a great way of celebrating the successes in business and one of the absolute, you know, best awards you could possibly win is Employer of the Year. How do you think that um, 
your employees have, have, have found that? How have they, how did they receive that award? It, it was good for us in a way. I mean, the awards, what a great night, by the way. It was, um, it was. It was interesting for us because we had this opportunity to, to go for that. And it's something outside of our comfort zone a lot of the time. So as a, as a traditional industry and a traditional business, we're not very good sometimes at shouting about what we do. Um, and when we sat down to write the awards entry, it was a little bit like, okay, what are we going to put in here? And we just started to write about our people and what we do from investing them. I've already touched on the length of service and and things like that. And very quickly, we had the the right number of word count, and we were like, oh, this sounds like a great business to work for. And then we, you know, dawned that that was us. So coming back with the award, I think it was a reminder. I know other businesses have used theirs as a bit of a recruitment campaign. Mm-hmm. We've not had a large recruitment drive on it, so it's not necessarily been prevalent for us. But I think where it has been really good is the employees that have been with us for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. To act to a showcase to them, it is actually a good place to work and, yeah. and the things we do. Because as, as is natural, you know, the, the grass is greener always brings to mind and people will say, oh, well, I've been here all this time. But I don't think people necessarily recognise the, the bits that happen or the stuff that people have begun to take for granted. So to reflect on the things that we do around our social calendar, providing breakfast at site, all those kind of things that, that run away that went into the entry, it gave us a real boost. And the way it was received then across our business line, um, I know our CEO talking about it in a sales conference as an example and sharing emails to say, look, as an Elise business, we should absolutely be doing more around our people agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was great to see that and great to understand that we've we've made a real impact in that in that area with our employees. And it's great that you can celebrate that. Yeah. 100%. And Wonderful. it's recognised by people who we don't know. Mm. You know, David, a judge who, yes, met him before, but didn't know know me personally. So the fact that you submit something with what you think's a really good people agenda, for it then to be recognised and almost to get get the award is great. But to think, do you know what, we're on the right track and other good businesses in the area are actually recognising that is mm. is a solid, meant more than anything, really. Yeah. And I know OE have, have received many accolades over the years. I've actually been at events in, in the past where I've, I've watched you walk up on stage and receive awards and I didn't know you at the time. Mm. Um, the people agenda and well-being, employee well-being is very important and at the heart of what you do. We were discussing before we sat down here about Absolutely. how you've invested in a large gym mm. At, at, mm. At, the, um, at the building that you've got um, here at Calder Park. So mm. just tell us a little bit more about your people agenda. Well, if I could start with awards, we, as you rightly say, we've 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 won quite a few. I've got, I'm not bragging about it, but we've got we've got a large uh, award cabinet in our reception. You have, area. yes, um, very shiny and one. And a lot of those started off industry awards, and therefore it's recognising us as a manufacturer and, and the products that we design, etc. The ones that were more important to us were the people-driven ones, and uh, and you're absolutely right when it comes down to it, Johnny. That you know when you get an award that that's really people-centric, um, like our Queen's Award that we got back in um, 2019. Um, that for us was a, a celebration of not just us as a business, but also for the people that's within the business. And and we had a large, lavish party that was in a big marquee in the car park. Um, and people remember that to this day, the fact that it was not, wasn't just a, a party, but the fact that we had... A, the Lord Lieutenant coming on on site and and giving us um, you know a, a vase and a, and a plaque that's signed by the Queen and and these things that are pe- things that resonate with people that people remember and that's really the 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 depth of what we are as a business because we care about our people and what we what we did when we built the building was to build a small gym into the into the uh, into the building because we felt that. And, um, people's health and well-being was an important part of uh, what we're about. Um, showers and bike racks and things like that were all add-ons that we felt we needed to uh, as an addition to the gym. Um, and then recently we've actually got an employee who's um, connected to the owner of the business and and she's a personal trainer. And, and she looked at what we're doing with a small gym and the opportunity that we felt we could develop by having a much larger facility and um, we've now created a, a large area on the top of our mezzanine floor that we just held for storage and it's now a gym that can host about 40 people with um, 
with all the equipment that you'd, you'd expect within a, a large gym. Um, it's free to use for employees. She also offers uh, personal training opportunities and physio. Um, and, you know, I, I know from talking to the people that regularly go to these classes that it's made a massive difference to their life, not just in the health and the well-being, but also the mental health as well. It makes such a massive difference. And you'll see a benefit of that as an employer. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's a spin-off. Uh, now, when people are working, they're much happier. Mm. And it, it sounds daft, but it is it's reality. You know, if people are happy in their personal life, then they're happy at work. Absolutely, absolutely. The two come dovetailed in, don't they? And both are equally as important. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, talking about celebrating success. So we have the business awards side of things, which obviously we're gearing up for again this year. David, you're coming back as a judge. Hopefully, Johnny, you'll be involved. Are you thinking of entering again or are we not saying at this point? We'll keep it quiet. But, we're keeping you know. quiet. Okay, <laughs> cards close to his chest. But you are involved with the Business Awards as well because you actually supply the table linen for yes, the event, Yes, we'll be supplying the table and linen. And most of the major events across Wakefield, I've got to say. We are. We've done quite a lot of work with the theatre in, in their events and I think that's 19th of May. So yes, we're sponsoring, the sponsoring there again. Yeah. It's really important to us that after a, a conversation with um, John Hovath, who, who talked to me about table and we've we've seen a real opportunity to support those charities and mm. to say, look, we've got a product here we can supply. Um, there is obviously an advertising that we get in return from that, but it means those charities then don't have that outlay on that product that we can we can provide relatively quickly from what we do. So it's great to be involved. And um, I think we've got a few other ideas for the Business Awards, Claire. We certainly have, yeah. Watch this space. And when you arrive at the event, you'll know exactly what we mean. Yes, we'll, we'll keep that close to our chest as well Absolutely. for now, shall we? Uh, yeah, so celebrating success, Business Awards, a great way of doing that, obviously. Hmm. But what are the successes for you, aside from the accolades and the awards, what have been the successes within OE Electrics for David? Um. Growth has been something that, that's been high on our agenda and, and there's lots of different ways that you can grow. One of the ways that we believed in growing, it was um, grow as a business by going into different countries. So we, we own a business in Australia. Uh, we've opened up in Europe to, to serve the European market and we have people that are selling in, in uh, America. So we've got quite a global coverage. But it goes hand in hand with export. We're high believers of export and it comes with challenges, does export. Absolutely. You need to understand how to export. You need to understand the markets that you're exporting to. So in the in the years that I've been at OE, that has been probably one of the enjoyable challenges, but also difficult challenges. So growth is, is really one of the key uh, strategies that we have. Um, R&D, we are innovators of the, the industry. People live, are constantly looking at what we do and, um, and follow what we do. So we lead the industry and we've got some products that are actually patented as well. And, um, and patent is something that I have a belief in because it's not restricting people uh, from what we do, but it's, it's recognition of what we do because it's, it's leading the market and therefore you need to protect it from that. Yes. Um, and I think that's that's really what drives us yeah, growth. They're growth. the outstanding mm. achievements for you. Yeah, yeah, Johnny. I feel like I'm pinching David's answers every time you ask him a question. But um, I think we we are we have um, a culture of growth, and that is with with what we do, obviously, as a business and and our people as well. And what we've seen certainly over the last few years, and certainly as Elise have entered in the UK and and acquired us, is there's a real growth culture there and we're seeing the benefits of that. Um, we're seeing that from our CSR approach. There's an ability and a desire there to to change and to pivot and to be really good in that market. Um, similar to OE, we've got you know sites in Europe, South America, re most recently in Mexico where we've acquired. So that's happening outside of Wakefield. But I guess what's important to me is I see that happening in the site that, that, I, that I lead and that I run um, with 110 people who most of them 
I've I've grown up with to some degree. Yeah. So the fact that I see that site grow and give job security and job opportunity to those people, I guess that's the real success for me. And what's important important to me is that that we continue to do that. We continue to adopt the Elise values and growth, but then that I can really apply that to the people that that I'm directly responsible for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great answers, really great answers. So from a personal perspective future aspirations so we'll talk about personally and as a business so i'll come to you first david so johnny can steal your answers (laughs) (laughs) no i mean the answers are similar because we're similar types of business exactly not not exactly the same product but you know the the history of the business and the growth of the business is yes is is pivots around weightfield absolutely that's the core that goes through both businesses um as far as our business is concerned um our aspirations are really continue growing um, within within Wakefield. You know, we've got nearly two hundred and fifty people. The majority of those people are in Wakefield, and that's where the core process, uh, where the core product is, where the R and D mainly focuses around what we do. Uh, as I say, we're, we're design led, and therefore, you know, we're constantly looking for new products that are going to hit the market and and make a difference. So that's that's really our aspirations as a personal. Um, as I'm getting to the end of my career now, I think that you know my career goals have have largely been met. You know, being chairman of a of a of a global business is um, has been something I'm really proud of. Um, but I do I do aspire still as a as a an individual um, to improve and and help other people understand what those opportunities are, how they can reach what I've reached, which is why I spend a lot of time with schools and universities and, and talk about apprenticeships and and universities um, are something that I, I still did, but but I did it late in life. So, you know, don't feel that just because you you, you don't start by having uh, you know a degree when you leave school, it doesn't mean that you can't get that later on in life. Um, I've done a lot of traveling. I've had the great opportunity to travel a lot with the business, but also in my personal life as well. Uh, and, I, you know, I think at the end of it, the, the one thing that I'm really getting a lot of enjoyment and passion from now is volunteering. You know, yeah. I'm an enterprise advisor, which is working with schools and universities. Um, I'm working with Wakefield Hospice. I think that's, um, that's something that's really close to my heart because of the... You know the connections in in your family life as well as mm-hmm. um, the employees that you know that are in your business. All at some point, you know, unfortunately, we are you know we're touched by you know the various hospices. Um, I'm an export champion, um, and therefore I'm promoting export through the DIT. Um, and then uh, just as a as a as a side hobby, I'm also working with uh, Wakefield Manufacturing Forum, which is um, which is gathering pace now. It is, isn't it? It's, it's good to see actually that, that the manufacturing farm and forums back with us and mm. uh, and actually getting some momentum. That's great. So I would encourage any of those Wakefield manufacturers out there to get involved. Um, so Johnny, how about you? Aspirations for yourself and for the business? And certainly for the businesses to continue our, our growth journey. I think we've got, again, I'll, I'll talk Wakefield specific, but yeah. it kind of aligns with the Elise's to to be that market leader and that supplier of choice within within what we do, um, that that's really important to us that we continue that growth and provide that job security in in the region. Um, from a professional point of view, I think it's to continue my my academic development and and to develop as a leader, so that again I can give that opportunity to to others. Um, and I think then personally as well, you know, what's what's the next step in my career? I'm not quite sure. But that academic and development and, and what's most important to me in that is that I am a good example. I'm perhaps an example to people who are in my workplace who think, oh, could I ever do that role? I, I never thought I would be able to get to where I got when I first joined. Um, and then also to my family. I've got two two young children and nothing pleased me more than when my little girl came down one morning and said, why are you studying at the table on a Saturday morning and explaining that that journey to her and seeing that sort of connection that, that she had? So I guess it's to be a good example um, and to set a good tone with my work, but also personally as well is, is, is quite important to me. Yeah, both really inspiring stories. Now I end these podcasts 
by asking for your top tip for 23. So, Johnny, I'll come to you first. Thank you. David can steal my answers. <laughs> I, <can steal> <laughs> um, I think for me, this is this is clear and something we talk about a lot. It's about, and we've already touched on it here, is your investment in your people. I think you, you buy a piece of machinery, you ensure it's got a maintenance program, you look after it, and you're religious with that. Make sure we do the same with our people because they're probably the best asset that we have. Um, they're certainly the most important and we should absolutely look after them and, and give them the opportunity to grow. So for me, tip for 23 is just, you know, make sure you've got a good wellbeing program. You're looking after the people that work for you and, and don't, you know, don't take them for granted. Great answer. David. Well, I'm not going to steal that, Johnny, but, <laughs> but I actually believe in that as well. So I, I do mm -hmm. think it's, it's, it's a really important answer is that one. But I'm going to use um, collaboration and partnership. Love it. And the reason I'm saying that is, um, and it's not just about the fact that I'm here, you know, talking about Wakefield um, uh, and in what you're about, but I also believe in uh, the collaboration between businesses is really important. Uh, some people call it networking. I don't call it networking. I talk it. I talk about collaboration and working together in partnership so that we can all benefit both through what you're doing, we are Wakefield, but also Wakefield Manufacturing Forum and, and all the other things, all the other, you know, uh, types of, uh, I don't want to use the word networking because I, I, I don't no, like the word No, neither do I. We I don't, don't, we don't use about. that word. You know, mm. we, we meet lots of good people at these events, don't we? Yes. Um, and yes, there is an opportunity to gain business, but I don't think that's the driver why people go to these events. It's connecting, isn't it's it? It's connecting, yes. And yeah. um, so therefore, for me, partnership and collaboration is the most important tip for this year. Wonderful. Thank you both for joining us today. I'm sure that everyone will have enjoyed hearing from a larger business perspective. Um, so I really appreciate you Thank coming you. in here to start today to, to join us for the podcast. Thank you, and I'm sure we'll see you at a We Are Wakefield event soon. You certainly will. Yep, absolutely. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Claire. Thank you, Claire. The We Are Wakefield podcast was produced by Starder Media, proud We Are Wakefield community members. Starder Media is a content production house based in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, with over a decade of experience creating video, animation, live streaming, podcasting, graphic design, and so much more for clients of all sizes across the UK. Starder Media, creating content to wow your audience.